0: In this episode, we'll do a live coaching call with Dave to help him with the pricing for his services. Hi, I'm Sheldon Primus. I'm here to help you learn the business of safety consulting. This podcast, The Safety Consultant, will give you the tools to be your own boss by protecting the safety and health of others. It's a win-win. But before this episode, here's a message from our sponsor. Start your own safety consulting business. Your knowledge and experience can give you the freedom of being your own boss. Now, Sheldon Primus, I've been a consultant since 2008. I've developed the Safety Consultant Blueprint to give you a step-by-step guidance to get your safety consulting business started. Go to safetyconsultantblueprint.com, enter the code PODCAST for 20% off of your registration. Experience the amazing feeling of taking charge of your own destination while helping others become safe and sound. Welcome back. Let's get right into this episode with Dave Delaney.
1: Um, Of course, as you know, this is... uh you know, new for me, being on my own, and out there trying to make it happen. I, I do have experience in working with, as you know, um, city government and um, private sector and you know, providing uh, uh, risk and safety management consulting work. I've been doing this for a long time, but I've never really, I've done I've done some work on my own before, but uh, you know, uh, you know, you get scared and have to, oh, yeah. to work and because hey, yeah, hey. it's all
0: on you now right
1: yeah yes yeah. so and now it's all on me now now I gotta I, I can't be with, with my last opportunity the last time I I started the business the Business was going uh this was during a recession um in yeah, the first big recession that happened back in 2007-8 right about it? yeah yeah you know I got laid off from my um my my job and um you know it was just uh they did provide enough money to, you know, I I wasn't the only one. A lot of us got laid off. My book of business went from 100% to, I don't know, 30%. And I guess in this business, or in the risk and safety management business, a lot of people who work for companies, safety and training is the first thing to go when there's a recession. I don't know if you're aware of that, but.
0: uh, Oh yeah, 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 no, I've seen it all the time. It's It's a typical thing in our field because that means the company doesn't know the true cost of an accident, so they're they're doing the the they're weighing things as far as what brings us money and what goes out of money. So they keep thinking safety keeps taken away from the bottom line when they don't know safety's protecting the bottom line.
1: Right. My name is uh, David Daly, and I am the for my comp- my company name is Professional Risk Control Consulting Services LLC. And of course, I am the era vice president and of course you could name yourself, whatever you want to be. <laughs> you know, but I'm the era vice president. I'm a business card um, for the company. Uh, and we do risk and safety management consulting services uh, for government and um, private uh, businesses and um, insurance brokerage firms uh, on the commercial and industrial side of things. Um, We've been around since 2000, actually September 9th, 2010, and um, the business was uh, was dormant for a little bit and um, back up and running, and we've been providing services. You know, we have a few accounts that are in, um, in the pipeline, if you may, um service in the city, uh county, um operation, construction, and um you know those transportation when we do those types of uh um, fleet risk management
0: uh and cons- where are you? So everyone knows you're your in South Florida here in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And where do you service?
1: Well we service the All of South Florida, um, the the length and breadth that you can from, let's say, very deep. So you go in that direction very deep. We will go to Orlando and Tampa and St. Petersburg and the panhandle if we have to uh, for work. But for the most part, you take the I-10 corridor all the way south to the Keys.
0: Uh, you got a specific question, so go ahead and hit me with your specific question. I'm writing my, my notes over here so I can sure. make sure I'm hearing you uh, properly and, and we get your, uh, your, your answer for you as best as I can. So
1: I am looking at the opportunity. Um, it's in the pipeline for, for my company to conduct um, a confined space audit of the water treatment um, facility. It might be more than one, it could be three or four um, different locations. And I am like struggling with how do I price this? Because I've done audits before Uh uh, in other facilities, manufacturing facilities, and different types of facilities auditing different areas, but I've never really, you know, done the type of audit that they're asking for in a water treatment facility, I've done confined space audits before, but of course, I'm doing it for a company that's paying me a salary, as opposed to now I got to figure out a way to, you know, have to feed my family. So how do I, you know, um, structure a a decent proposal that makes sense, that's reasonable, and you know, will work the effort. Reasonable uh, for who? Huh? Reasonable, reasonable for, for whom? For, for, for all concern, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, when, okay. you know, what's, what's, you know,
0: I reason that was a loaded uh, position. Uh, it's it's loaded because uh, you, you really have to figure out um, what's the value of the service to them. So uh, what's your, what's their driver? Uh, what Was there something that happened that asked them to get a hold of you? Um,
1: the value of the service to them. I think they have had their, they have a safety management person. I don't know how sophisticated that person is. And they believe that person and Mm had some events in the past having to do with um, not just confined space related issues, but you know, at the facility, you have, let's say a fall from an aerial lift, I think you and I talked about this. So. That triggers, you know what, if someone could fall from the area and this is what it's causing the entity, then we have confined space. So they're just going in and say, look, let's audit this, let's train, let's do this and that, and, you know, David, I need you to help facilitate this whole thing. Okay,
0: uh, have you had a past relationship with them before in service? Yeah, I, in, in other areas, in risk management, yeah. In safety. Okay. So. Yeah, so these are people who I know from passion. Okay, so they already know you and you've probably either worked for them or worked in their, in the yeah. network. I worked with them.
1: Okay. Uh, other, other um, items, you know, other things. In the risk management field um, from what I do is very broad, like I said, I might have, um, I've worked with them in different areas and I provided support for them when I'm, in other roles. So, know that they know that I'm in this role. You know, they're like, okay, David, you know, we know of your work. So, know that you're doing this
0: in private on your own. We're going to give you a shot out. Okay. Uh, are you going to stay on the plant side with the the work? Or are you actually going to uh, go into the distribution system to check them? Or is everything all plant based? Just inside of the plant. Uh, okay. So, show. you're talking. So you're talking maybe a, a clarifier, maybe a lift station, maybe you're uh, looking at uh, some other chemical vats or holding tanks maybe?
1: Yes, chemical vats, holding tanks, um, vaults, electrical vaults. Okay. Um, we're gonna be looking at, um, yeah, uh, those types of area.
0: Um, so. And the the entries are mostly for cleaning or are they doing mechanical work or welding or uh, what's the entry going to be?
1: Right, so the idea is to first identify all of their confined spaces on the facility. So, I'm planning to follow what's called one of their site map or process flow uh, piping to kind of find where those confined spaces are and you know, of course, audit that to see what we're doing in the next, questions relating to okay, so what are some of the potential hazards associated with the space, the space number, the frequency of entry, uh-huh. uh, types of activities that perform in the space, uh, whether or not it's labeled, um, or looking at some of the control measures that should be in place for that particular space, uh, and uh, PPE, and whether or not it, it is a confined space or a permitted confined space. Okay. That's my vision of what I am planning to do. Should I be given the opportunity?
0: Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, to start, just so uh, we understand their their need, they're telling you, uh, hey, we had some issues before, and we know we could, We're identifying certain hazards that we need to address, and we do permit require confined space entries. We need you to make sure that this total program and activities is up to snuff, up to par.
1: Right. So I guess the key item, so let me kind of narrow that what you're saying a little more. I think what they really wanted to audit first identified where the spaces are in the facility, all of them. And okay. then, identify which of those spaces are permit-required confined spaces. So you've got confined spaces, and then there are permit-required confined spaces. And I think in conversations and meeting with the, the, uh, one of the directors, they're having some challenges with the Union Environment <laughs> staff uh-huh. different facilities they're being, uh, they're receiving pushback. So, for example, you might have a policy, right, that's pushed down by risk management to say this is we're going to follow the OSHA policy, the OSHA requirements for confined spaces. Uh-huh. And then you have to, you have a person who's running those operations at the plant site who are saying, well, this is not a confined space. That's not a confined space. <laughs> so they're defying you know, so i am coming in as a third party neutral person in this whole equation to go in okay. and identify all of the confined spaces all right? and uh-huh. then once i identify those confined spaces then you know bring that you no know, a determination to okay this is a basement definition this one is a permitted confined space and this one is so i think that's I okay. By by conversation and meeting, I think
0: that is the goal. Okay, so that's your scope. So, um, in hearing that, as far as the scope, so you're not doing an audit yet. Uh, you're you're still just on the the beginning stage of their program. So, uh, I would assume that after you're done with this, you're going to give them some sort of written report as to your findings.
1: Right. So there would be a find, a finding report. Uh, of course, like I said. I'm going to look at the description of the location, the potential hazards for each space that I find, uh, the space number, the frequency of entry in the space, the type of activities that are performed um, in the space, uh, whether or not the space is labeled, any control measures that they need to have in place, and, and PPE. So I'm going to get, my report is going to be based on that okay. for each space, right? That that is fine in at the facility, and then they're asking also to for training. So when I'm done with that, and I'm going to submit my report with pictures
0: and things like that. And, um, okay. Now, when you're taking your pictures, are you taking pictures of uh, you're going to try to get an entry first and do that, or are you trying to get pictures of uh, the spaces you identified as confined spaces? Well, I'm going to look at the entry first, and then look at the space. From what I'm hearing, I'm hearing a couple of things that you you mentioned. So, uh, also, I'm hearing different things with your scope, too, and then you have to add some training. So, uh, it sounds like you've got two clear things. One is uh, you need the pricing for current service, and then you could probably add an addendum in there, as in if they choose you for the rest of it, this is how much your pricing is going to be for the next services. Is that uh, correct?
1: All right. So when you say services, what do you mean? Because uh, I, I, I clearly have two items. One is um, doing the
0: audit. Mm-hmm. And the second one is doing training. Correct. So, uh you could even add a third if you wanted to, which is creating procedures so uh, I mean specific sp- procedures in the form of a job hazard analysis uh, so you uh, you have three means right now that you could use, but uh, let's let 's break it down into um, how we we would. Uh, Break into this pricing for you, so one of the things i would uh, I would think of as far as uh, your pricing if i 'm thinking about first the identification of the space uh, and this is this is a theory for all pricing though all pricing is is first and foremost, what does it cost, or what do you want to make from it? so you want to always start with that in mind and Start with what you know, which is hourly, right? And so, hourly right. is always the, the first start. So, uh, how many hours do you think it would do? And let's break it down into identifying the spaces as being permit required or just uh, a confined space. And the the, re- the reason we want to do that is because first and foremost, any confined space can be permit required confined space if there's a hazard there. Right. So so, uh, most of your confined spaces can actually be a permit required confined space right off the bat, so you're really doing hazard identification. Right. So the the first thing is, is let's start with one plant. And because uh, we know for sure that you got the one plant, right? So right. Uh, one plant, permit required, confined space. Uh, let's say you're going to go through a water plant, depends on the size. So just to give me some context, um, if it's a small to medium-sized plant, you're probably dealing with, uh, and plants are rated by millions of gallons a day that they treat of water. So let's say it's a smaller facility, and they're treating about you know five million gallons a day, upwards to fifteen million gallons a day. Uh, then they're they're in that small medium range. So if you're thinking small and medium range. Uh, the confined spaces that I'm thinking of, possibly the electrical vaults, but they may not have too many of those. And uh, that brings you back to the definition, which is limited means of egress and access, is this space meant for continuous human occupancy? And then also uh, the, the other criteria that you're going to have is, um, can you get somebody into space? So if you're thinking those three things, can I get them in the space, limited means of egress and access, therefore, uh, and then also was this meant for continuous human occupancy? Now you're in confined space. Finishing down with all those spaces. I no. truly believe that, um, uh, a small size plant like that, you could do that in roughly uh, half a day, maybe less. Uh, so if maybe you're thinking of hours. hours, go ahead. In your
1: experience, um, like it, let's say um, one of the guys has told me that one of the plants are like, you were doing like, um, I've been doing some research on this for a little bit because I know I was going to go in there to get this opportunity. So one guy was saying something about book um how many acres of space that they have right mm-hmm. the, but you're saying that it's a millions of gallons of water that's treated every day is this is how they measure the production of a plant
0: yeah yes, correct so let's say you're in um you're in South Florida, Miami is regional, and they're gonna have a treatment plant that might be somewhere in the uh 50 million gallon range to almost a hundred thousand million gallons so something like that you're gonna know the physical space the square the 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 acreage is gonna be outrageous so you're gonna you're not looking at the acreage as much as you're looking at the actual facility and the locations of these confined spaces so a lot of your um, your your confined spaces are going to be similar. So they're going to have in a large plant something like, you know, 20 clarifiers. All right. You don't have to go into all clarify. You know, these clarifiers are all going to be permit required confined space because they're going to have hazardous material in there. Or if you're going to go into and you'll see maybe, um, in a wastewater plant, you'll see like a digester, but in a in a drinking water plant, they're going to have uh, some holding tanks. So yeah. those tanks are going to duplicate each other, and they'll probably duplicate each other in the same hazards as well. Uh, so you're not going to have to go to each every one of those spaces. What you do is first uh, go and get the plant operations and maintenance manual. And the plant O&M manual is going to show you everything. Sure, you should go out and walk it too, but I would spend the first half hour to an hour just looking at the plant O&M manual because that's going to show you exactly what that site is, especially if they – if it's a newer plant some of the older plants you know they may have built on to something and you'll have to look at the as built and you know but let the engineering design and draw do the legwork for you so that's going to cut down your time so uh that's why i'm saying within four hours you should do it a half a day so now you're thinking the next thing is should i charge a half day rate or should i charge a full day rate so if you're going to charge a half day rate um, you're gonna to have to do a half day rate plus because you're gonna take some time to to do that report even if it's electronic because you're gonna to have to check up behind them and you're gonna to have to make sure all that stuff looks good. So, uh, and the output of that program, that audit assistant, you wanna make sure that the output of that program looks good. So it's gonna take you another two, uh, maybe three hours to do that too. So now we're yeah, looking uh, on- Yes. I'm averaging some of the time with other artists that I'm
1: using the tool for. I'm telling them, man, once you, it, it takes a lot. You might go out there and take all these, it's great for taking the pictures and kind of do a quick location, whatever, uh-huh. so that you can drag your memory when you get back. But when you're going to put in the the actual description and um, recommendation, depending on observation as you, you're seeing things, you come back uh-huh. in, you, you take, I don't know, 100 pictures or 90 pictures or 90 different issues. You gotta come back and write that, and, and you gotta edit the pictures. That take a lot of That, that was hours easy. Correct. I'm working with the tools now, and I'm telling you, I, I, I did a I kind of digress a little bit, but uh, yeah, it, it, you're right about that. It takes a lot of time to put these reports together. It's no joke.
0: Yeah, uh, so you. now you're also thinking about, uh, and this is just still the first part of that scope, so uh, let's say it costs you um, uh, 200 a month to, to have your insurance, and uh, you could break that, let's say, if you have four different projects, you could split that 200 a month into four different projects for your insurance cost and then you'll have to think of how am i going to get there so am i going to charge mileage or am i just going to add that to the project price Uh, and do you have to go there early so you can stay uh stay a day and start 7 a.m so that means you have to get a hotel and you see where i'm going there with that too so if you're doing this job in north florida and you're in south florida it's going to be a different quote Because of that, that factor in there. So let's say it's going to be close to home and you're not, you're going to be going back and forth from home. Right. And I would look at the IRS mileage uh, and, and put that in. At a certain distance, so what I used to do is I would say my my mileage I would always put in, but then at a certain distance, which was an hour and a half from my house in mileage so almost um uh, hour and a half to two hours, so almost like um uh, ninety miles to to a hundred miles then I'm charging two fifty a day uh, for my per diem and that's mileage that's hotel that's food uh, so if it's over a hundred miles and I think it was a hundred miles, 120 miles. I think it was for, for what I did, then it's going to be a per diem as well. So I, I would definitely do that. I don't know how far it is. So that's, that's going to be some of your thought prices for, for, uh, your, your cost. So let's say, um, I don't know if you're starting your, your business, uh, your day rate might be something closer to, um, I don't know maybe a hundred uh, uh, maybe a thousand to eight hundred uh, a day. It's generally day rates are, are gonna be for consulting services uh, roughly in this area Florida, South Florida it might be right about 1200 to 1500 would be a, a comparable day rate and you're starting yeah hourly everybody's going to break it down to hourly and they're going to say all right well if you're charging me this for 8 hours <laughs> you know if you're charging you know 1500 divided by 8 then you're 187 an hour so you could look at it that way but it's not <laughs> it's mm-hmm. also all the other things that it's in there it's my mileage it's my insurance it's everything else that I'm paying for my food so that's why it's my my day rate And then also, if you're going to do the day rate, give them your day. Your day doesn't have to be an eight-hour day. So your day rate can say, my day starts at 9 o'clock, it has an hour lunch, and it ends at 3. That's my day rate. Okay. So you're you're defining your day to them. Let them do the hourly break up if they want to, but that's your day, it's your business. You you give them you give them your day. So I I do that all the time. My day consists of nothing past three o'clock, and we're starting at nine because I'm not waking up at seven unless I have to. <laughs> and I I do that too. And and you put the food cost in here too for the day. Maybe you
1: might say fifty dollars a day for me, like fifty dollars a day for me.
0: They don't need that. They, okay. they don't care about that because uh, if you do get uh, someone that that's picky about that, you're going to get challenged with everything that you do. Yeah. Later on. You just give them the day rate and make it sit. Yeah, that's your thinking behind the price. Right. So uh, that's one one uh, aspect of this. So if you're going to do, I would say for, for the scope part, the beginning part, it may serve you better to do a day rate, um, because you could do the day rate that will include the report and i would make i wouldn't make that day rate any lower than 800 i would i I could really see you making that day rate for 1500. And if it takes you two days or let's say it's taking you a day and a half that you project, then that's fine. Just tell them I'm going to give you the day rate. I'm expecting a day. However, if it does go over a day, then I'll give you an hourly rate and we'll, we'll work on it together so you can get approval. So uh, you say, I expect a day. But my hourly rate is, uh, you know, when I first got started, I was doing my hourly, hourly rate about 80 an hour. But uh, quite honestly, the mindset is, again, you're paying for so much more. Your overhead may be low because you're, uh, you're a single entity but your overhead is actually higher than you think because you have to take care of your family and you got to think of all those other things that that, uh, bills are in there. So in your area, you would probably, uh, Miami's used to paying that Miami, Fort Lauderdale area is used to paying more for services. So I, I honestly, to get respect, you should not go under $100 an hour uh for them to think your prices are worth it. Right. Okay. So there's well, there's, there's some I'm areas. The that, rate, if I'm gonna
1: fun. do over the rate, um it has to be right around there, like a hundred dollars now.
0: Yeah, I, I would go no less than that in your area. There's some areas where I you know, rural areas, you know, that'd be way much they should stick right at the $70 range but the expectation in South Florida in that area if you are a consultant uh, you are going to price yourself as if you were uh, a lawyer as if you were uh, something in that that range so I would say a hundred I wouldn't even do a hundred do an odd figure Uh, do like a like 124 something ridiculous like that because in the mind of the person purchasing the service, they're thinking, why is one twenty four? You know, it's gotta be some reason to his calculation of one twenty four as opposed to a flat one hundred or seventy five or, you know, two two hundred, because then that means you're to them, you're throwing out a number. Uh, okay. So one twenty four, one twenty seven, you're throwing out a number, but it's such an oddball number that in some people's minds they think, oh well, it's gotta be a reason for that. Okay, I like a lot love it. Yeah. So now that's the first part. That's just to get into again so that's just the first part of of, of this is gonna take me to identify your confined space. It's gonna be uh, for me to tell you which one would be a permit required versus a not permit required and quite honestly your answer is gonna be they all could be permit required, depends on what the hazard is, depends on what right. you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so so it becomes a moot point altogether. Right. But don't tell them that, they'll, know, they'll find it in your report. So, uh, if part of your scope is to identify the space, then the next part of your scope you're saying might also be uh, you're giving them hazards and control. That means that you've, you're, you're going a little further. So my question is, do they already have a, a confined space entry permit program? Do yes, they have absolutely. a written program? They have a written program. Okay, so your audit should really be on on their full program, and then your recommendation might be a little bit different because now they're adding some extra work for you when you're trying to revamp that program. So uh, if, the, for instance – getting the program, looking through the written program, analyzing the space, you could probably put that together in one scope. And uh, I would probably do that in a lower, uh, a lower setting, like a half day type pricing, um, just to do that. And then now when they're ready for you to rewrite the program, because now you've identified deficiencies in their program, That's a separate scope. So it seems like they're adding too many things or maybe in your mind you you want to give them a complete package. Uh, It might be better suited for you to do it in in steps. So here's here's the vision of what you need. Uh, Here's step one. Here's step two, and here's step three. Here's your price for step one. Here's your price for step two, and here's your price for step three. Uh, so, therefore, uh, you know, step three could lead them towards the training part and the job hazard analysis part. But step one would be I'm going to audit your program, make sure that your written program is something that you're practically using as well as identifying what it should my second part of the scope is i'm going to take my findings from step one and then i am going to rewrite this program for you and modernize it uh, so that what your guys are looking at is going to be something that you uh, are truly seeing for instance let's say um, uh, the initial program didn't have some tanks or some processes that were identified because it's probably taken from someone else 30 years ago and they copied and pasted their name over someone else's program. Right. <laughs> then right. now you identified that and you're going to do new pictures, new everything else. That's a different scope altogether. So that could be phase two. And then after you introduce the new written program, as well as the updated modernized uh, for what they have, then the next phase of your your project should be, I'm going to introduce it to your staff through training, and uh, we'll even do a job hazard analysis for one of your tanks or two of your your uh, frequently uh, entered tanks. Because if you're doing your um, your risk assessment, probability times severity equals risk, right? Yes. Yeah. So, just pick your highest risk things, like uh, entering the clarifier or going into a chemical vat, and you tell them I'll do two job hazard analysis with your people uh, and I'll teach them how to do a job hazard analysis for themselves. So now step three is training and a job hazard analysis. They can work with that. And if you now split it up into those three things or phases, you're going to get a contract that you could give them a price for each one of those phases wow. and let them choose a la carte. You know, well, we need phase one, definitely. We probably need phase two, depending on what happens in phase one. And then we'll choose if we want to do phase three with you or not, or maybe we'll do it later on the next budget. But uh, you're right now in February, which is uh, uh, quarter two. So you're probably going to get some some traction in quarter 3 uh if you do your your uh, your proposal now uh or if not you could start your proposal saying i'll do phase 1 in quarter 2 um let's do you know phase 2 in you know quarter three, and then before the fiscal year is over in in September, let's go ahead and, and finish that up. Or we could do that in October when the new fiscal budget comes in. And right. now you have training, and then you have your JSA available. So yeah. that's how I would break that up. That's awesome, man. That's a, 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 the first one is to do the identification. Mm-hmm. I
1: think you, you kind of helped me just go with uh, kind of doing that workflow. You know, um, so it's step one. You do the as a, you do the identification of the confined space. that we know. All of them could be permitted confined spaces. Where they're located, what area of the plant are they? Yep. How many they have? You know, and kind of a description of it. And then then we have we could rewrite the program, their existing program to include things that they don't already have. Like yep. In in you know, and the third one would be to do. Um a training of their key personnel uh to make the competent persons on, on there you uh, go oh, yeah. well, if you're
0: doing that, do two make one their competent person and do another training for right, uh, right. for the staff an annual training
1: yeah, so we do you know, yes two <laughs> that's a good one and um and then a job hazard analysis of you know one of the their most the highest hazard Hazardous area, you know, like you said, you know, entering the tanks, you could do a JSA on that, or a JSA and getting into those chemical vats, mm-hmm. or a JSA and getting into where else somewhere the scrubbers probably.
0: Yeah, yeah. So don't get caught up too much about the space because yeah. you're going to see the parent and uh, again once you get your your the plant operation and maintenance manual. I bet you in a section of that, whoever their design engineer was, uh, they will have a section in there on safety and health. Uh, all O and M's will have it, so you'll be able to see already what was designed as an um, permit required confined space or a confined space. And then you just talk to interview the people there, spend some of your time talking to the operators, and get you know get their opinion on you know what spaces do you feel have that you've been going into since you've worked here have been more of a confined space what do you use as far as your rescue because you'll have to keep that in mind too so what's what do you use as your procedure is there a standard operating procedure floating around can I take a good look at that and uh, those interviews all that could be in stage one and if you're gonna do uh, audit of the written program, how well it is, the only way that you're gonna know uh, how well it's going is by interviewing as well as maybe seeing one, one entry. So you could add, uh, my day is gonna include, gonna be uh, you know, interviewing a personnel and if at all possible, I'd like to work out seeing one permit required confined space entry. So as you're thinking of that, uh, that's that would probably be my my first thing. And you're going to give them a report. So your day rate include your report. That phase one can easily be, you know, a, a twelve hundred dollar contract for phase one. And then phase two, when you're going to rewrite everything, that may actually be a little less money uh maybe a 800 thing because now you're you're sitting down you're rewriting you're going to take some pictures so that may even be a half day rate if you wanted to and you know make it 600 for that half day or, or something to that effect and then uh phase three with your training most permit required confined space training for uh let's say it's competent person training may a full day uh, if you're going to teach them how to use their equipment if you're going to teach them how to rescue you're going to teach them how to do bump tests on their uh, calibrate their their uh, their gases show them how to you know uh, do all of the the processes re- safety processes related to hazard assessment. And, and going in there, even work through a JSA with them and go out to the field and say, We're not doing an entry now, but if you were, show me what you would do. So All that right. whole that whole time for uh a competent person class may be a full day and then the other uh job for just safety awareness is gonna be a four hour class uh chances are you could squeeze it into a three-hour class depending on uh how many people are are aware of it but i would price it as a four-hour class let them go a little early if you need to so if you're thinking of that last phase that last phase uh you probably might price it a little different because uh you may not price it per for your day rate but you probably want to price that one as a student rate, and then uh, right. student rate for a four-hour class. It probably my my rule of thumb is about fifteen hours per uh, fifteen dollars per hour per student. So uh, that's that's just. Yeah, rough. So, if we're doing fifteen hours, I got my little calculator. Fifteen yeah. hours, uh, four hours to fifteen dollars an hour, four hours long. So, it's going to be sixty dollars per student. Uh, so, let's say they have a uh, hundred. Uh, let's say now. Let's let's even break it down. So, let's say they have ten students. So that's going to give you six hundred dollars. I would say uh, up to. 12 students up to 15 students. I'll give you $600 up to that person. So in their mind, they're doing the math and they're thinking, well, that's if I'm doing 15 and he's giving me 600, then he's already giving me a discount from the $60 per person rate and listed out $60 per person. But I'm going to give you 600. I'll cap it at 600 up to, uh, up to your 15 Attendees. However, if you have more than fifteen attendees, I'll give you a discounted rate of fifty dollars, or maybe a discounted rate of forty-five dollars per person. And that's your that's your safety awareness course. Your. just you you job hazard analysis as one of the items
1: that we could do yeah. after we finish confined space training. then we might do a job hazard analysis. Uh, yes. Um, that's a little different. Okay. Uh,
0: your job hazard analysis, if you uh, choose to add that in, uh, you should just rate that as a half-day rate. And okay. uh, and pretty much you're going uh, to talk to the students or, or the people, the operators doing it, find out, all right, break down the step of this entry, step by step by step by step and then you brainstorm with them the hazard for each step and then you get a control for each hazard that you identified and then you're showing them how to fill out the form even if you want to print the form that you have from your audit assistant and then let them make copies of that, or they might even have their own JSA form, but there's a bunch of blank JSA forms. You have them fill it out in that little workshop you're doing. So they physically could get the chops and filling that out and writing it out. And that's your, your your half day rate is truly teaching them how to do their top two hazards uh, or hazardous entries and then just, you know, that's a half day rate by itself. So if you're thinking of that as phase three, you could do your half day rate, do your student price, and it uh, depends on how many students. So now you could tell them, just add that up. And to boot, I'm gonna show you something. Uh, have you ever gone to the OSHA.gov website and did their, um, uh, did their safety pays cal- uh, calculator? Uh, No, I haven't messed around with that at all. Okay, so uh, we're going to go to OSHA.gov. And um, I'm just going to type in safety pays calculator. And uh, this is, this one right here is the estimated uh, calculator. So the same thing we started out the conversation on about, Uh, workers comp and everything, Uh, add this to your proposal at the very end. So let's say most of the the hazards related, this is first uh, for background. This is OSHA with, um, I believe it's Stanford University, uh, the National Council for uh, Compensation Insurance and then also OSHA together with the yes, Stanford University Civil Engineering they looked at the NCCIs three year history of claims by code so from 2013 to 2015 you know that whole time period every time they had a coded event as being a struck by or caught in or or something uh, chemical whatever they paid out they kept that data And they created uh, this is the scale that they found between direct costs and indirect costs. So you're probably aware of this already. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it, yeah. So this scale over here, that's how they got that scale. So now that you have this. This cost estimator, I, I do put on a lot of my uh, a lot of my proposals. So, let's say from a permit required confined space, you're going to save one person from asphyxiation right. because now they are going to have uh, some sort of uh, protection by having either uh, respiratory protection or you're going to add ventilation. Whatever, uh, you don't know your city and counties. Uh, that you're working with profit margin, but let's say that they're operating on the base level profit margin of maybe 5%. So 5 cents out of a dollar is going to go to paying this. Uh, the direct cost over three years of empirical data says one affixation is going to be $214,000. Wow. Most direct costs yeah. are paid for by insurance but the city and county is going to have to recoup the indirect cost. So let's say that indirect cost is going to be recouped because they're self-insured. Most counties are going to probably be self-insured up to 500,000. One event is going to take off, you know, a good chunk of their, their budget. Right. Right. And uh, I'll go back here to the, the background. So in the background, all of these costs here that you're looking at is associated as that indirect cost. You know, wages paid to injured workers, the cost of the lost time, the stoppage—all those stuff you've been telling your your risk management and insurance people for yeah. all these years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, those are the costs that they have later. here. I would just go ahead and copy some of this, paste it right into your proposal. You may have to do you know two or three bullets, maybe not the whole thing, and. Uh, tell them the work that you're doing now is going to save you from having to, uh, let me do it again because we lost it where we said five percent. So at uh, five cents out of the dollar that seeating in county just for the indirect costs is going to have to increase their budget, or somehow lower their budget by $4.7 million, which isn't gonna happen. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna pay out of pocket for any indirect costs here. Some are gonna be uh, coming from their uh, their self-insured and some of it's just gonna be new operational costs that they're gonna have. Some of it's gonna come elsewhere. There may have some of these costs like uh for for here, where it says uh, additional sales, a normal business that only makes five cents out of the dollars to pay for you know the four hundred and fifty thousand total costs, uh, then they need to increase their business for four point seven million so that every five cent gets to go towards that you know affixiation one asphyxiation. Right. right so. So I would go ahead and put this right in your proposal right. and your, and in your yeah, summary. Yeah, I never thought about using it this way. I've used it in other areas of um, things that
1: I do, but I never really break it out by the actual – I just use the raw data, you know. But I never break it out like the way we do here with
0: the calculator. So that's, this is really um, informative. I, I appreciate you showing me this. Yeah, so one, you could just say even if you deal with indirect costs, just say you know maybe your insurance will pick up the indirect costs, and this is a narrative at the end of your your uh, your proposal. They're not, not going to pick up the indirect costs at all. Yeah, so yeah. that that narrative and that in uh, that end of the proposal say you know uh, I could this project can possibly save you that asphyxiation, uh, which will be two hundred thirty six thousand of. Three years worth of data therefore uh, I am going to uh, save the city or the county <laughs> that much look at the balance between <laughs> you could expect uh, to save more money from hiring me than spending money right right so I like this, this uh, idea of, because
1: that's where we have to demonstrate that value uh, okay. for what we're trying to achieve here you know I appreciate you showing me that again um,
0: yes, I would add that in. Did did that help give you yeah, something? listen
1: you really did um, spark some things here, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this one-on-one and um, allow for us to have this conversation. It really, really was uh, was uh, enlightening and um, really enriched my 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 hope uh, about how to approach certain things, especially what we just did, because I've used that. Um, area of the calculation, but I never gone in there and actually do an actual, and one, I just use the example and show Hey, here's what it is, Here's go, but I never gone in there and picked like different types of injuries and I actually kind of show what the true um, total cost of um, risk is as it relates to that injury. Um, so I really appreciate that, that too, and, and everything else, you know, the pricing structure um, that you shared, how to do this, um and the knowledge from just your your experience in dealing with uh the water treatment operation and how to break out the the scope in in three different steps Uh, that i I really appreciate Uh, this this kind of really put me on a good path all right i'm glad i'm really glad they didn't um because the guy was supposed to go see them today uh for a walk you know like a, a intro i'm glad he canceled so I get this opportunity to have a
0: conversation. Man. I really do. Appreciate it. All right. Well, good deal. Well, good luck setting that that the proposal, right? And, and right. getting it broke down for you. Yeah, it will definitely help, for sure. All right, Dave. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day, bud. Thank you All righty. Well, All you. right. Well, that was a great interview with Dave. I hope that you get something from it. And the tip of the week is going to be Just really think about the scope of your work before you do any of your actual proposals. Just focus on what the scope is, break it down into basic essentials, and then you'll be able to price your services correctly. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and I'll see you next Monday. The Safety Consultant Podcast was brought to you by the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. So to help your safety consulting business get started on the right track, you want to get actual step-by-step-by-step guidance to getting your safety consulting business going, go to the Safety Consultant Blueprint course online, which is www.safetyconsultantblueprint.com. Whether you're streaming, gaming, video chatting,
1: or doing it all at once, GigSpeed Internet from Xfinity makes you a multitasking champion. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit today. Restrictions apply.